Episode 297 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Simonoff. Leadership is what they do at the Kansas Leadership Center, and now its former leader and one of its current leaders have teamed up for a new book called When Everyone Leads, The Toughest Challenges Get Seen and Solved. Ed O'Malley and Julia Fabris McBride join me on this week's podcast to talk about the book and what every person, no matter their age, job status, or anything, can take from it. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is a look at the renovations to Chester I. Lewis Reflection Square Park downtown and how it will eventually pay tribute to one of the city's most prominent black leaders. Reporter Shelby Kellerman talked to the people behind the design and the people who are creating the monuments involved to bring readers an understanding of what they will soon see. Our cover story begins on page 12. This week's list is the area's largest engineering firms. See who's at the top and read what they have to say about keeping at the top in terms of hiring philosophies. The list is on page eight. This month, our Young Professionals series profiles rising professionals in aviation and manufacturing. You can meet them beginning on page 19. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Ed O'Malley of the Kansas Health Foundation and Julia Fabris McBride of the Kansas Leadership Center are co-authors of the new book, When Everyone Leads, The Toughest Challenges Get Seen and Solved. I'm really glad they could join me on the podcast this week to talk about the book. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Kirk. Thank you, Kirk. Uh, I'm curious, starting off in the with the genesis of the book, as I was reading it, I, I wondered if it's meant to really encapsulate the KLC's entire mission uh, because it works off the off the guiding principle of, of leadership being an activity and not a mission. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it it really is. This book started out as Ed and me talking about what what is it that KLC stands for? Why are we doing this? And really, what we came up with, we want to build a culture in Kansas, especially where people can step up and reach for bold aspirations and deal with our toughest problems and thrive. Yeah. You know, Kirk, what I would add to that is when KLC got started 16 years ago, you know, we, we were starting something that was, and frankly still is pretty countercultural. starting something that believed Leadership is not about a position; it's an activity. I mean that that was revolutionary then. It still is revolutionary now. Less so, I think, because of a lot of great work by by our team the last sixteen years. But I think, in some ways, this book it is the encapsulation of everything that we stand for. It is the book that, if we could have been able to write it sixteen years ago, we would have. But it took sixteen years of thinking and experimenting and learning with thousands and thousands of Kansans to to put this all in this simple, uh, easy to read form. That is the book we're talking about here today. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to ask about the counterculture you mentioned, because I'm 
as I was reading, I'm, I'm wondering if the toughest people to drill down into are the people like me who've been in their profession nearly 40 years. I'm in my 50s. Uh, I am in was in t- entrenched in a newsroom where reporters do their own thing, but they are led by news editors and associate editors and managing editors. I, I guess my question is, are, are old guys like me the toughest nuts to crack? Julie, I'll take this one first. Um, yeah, I, I think sometimes, but I also think, you know, old guys like you, Kirk, you said it first, not me, right? Yes, um, I did. Old guys like you and like me, um, often we've spent a lot of years banging our head against the wall and not making progress on some of our toughest challenges or, or the things we most aspire to. So this book and the, the ideas in it uh, often resonates deeply with people you know who have been trying for a decade for 15 years to take their company organization nonprofit community to that proverbial next level and and they're not there and so sometimes the old folks like you and me it actually like, they're ready for this enlightenment because they've been trying it one way and it isn't getting the results they want julia what, what would you add well i would add that people in authority may have realized that their authority is not enough to solve the stuff that really matters. And we might have actually done a lot of great work along the way where authority was enough, but then the the things that are most important to us, they're, we're still stuck, they're still unsolved. And yeah, we, we kind of realize that we need everybody. And we're also at a point where we want to mentor other people and there's nothing better than teaching people that leadership is an activity that anyone can engage in to to help people grow in their work and feel satisfied in their work. Mm-hmm. I am curious as a journalist about the collaborative process. You you all have known each other for years. Uh, how did how did you get along and get together and write? Ed, you want to start that one? Uh, sure, Julia. Uh, we have known each other for years. We have an awesome relationship and. Um, I mean, it's hard. Writing is hard. It is, uh, as you know, Kirk, right? It, you have to, you're very vulnerable when you put a draft in front of people. And to write with a co-author is is tricky, but it felt really easy with Julia. And I think we trust one another. We know we have different strengths and we both take feedback really well from each other. So it was um, it was some of the hardest work I've ever done writing this book and the other books I've written. But also working with Julia, it was one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Uh, so it, it was tricky, but great all at the same time. Julia, this is your chance to bash Ed. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ed's awesome. Ed's really great at big picture. I mean, I think we we talked a lot about what the book was about. And then just one night, Ed went and created the outline. And then we started filling in the outline, going back and forth. I have a lot of examples from literally from um, challenges people have brought into programs. And Ed has a lot of experience speaking to big groups where he's had to hone what's the best way of communicating this really quickly. So there was a lot of back and forth. And then we were sitting in our home offices and we dedicated 8 to 11 or eight to 10 each weekday morning for three months. And there was that beautiful sense of accountability of knowing that I had to show up because Ed was showing up. That's interesting. I'm, I'm also interested in the 
you know, this is not a book that's just words from front to back. There are a lot of a lot of starts and stops for the reader to kind of take a breath and kind of take in what you've just read. And I was especially uh, first of all, I want to ask, was that by design? Obviously it was. But but why did you want to do it that way? Yeah. I, um. So our, our, one of our previous books, uh, Your Leadership Edge, I co-authored that one with Amanda Sabula, who used to be on the KLC team and still a dear friend to KLC. That's where we pioneered that style. You know, a lot of bullet points, short chapters, help the reader get into an idea and frankly, help them get out of the idea and go apply it pretty quickly. And we we got incredible feedback from that book. That book, Your Leadership Edge, has sold really well, frankly. It helped elevate KLC. I think we published that six years ago now, Julia, if I remember correctly. Um, 2015. Oh my gosh, eight years yeah. ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we knew we were on to something, Kirk, with that style. I think we did it even better with this book. We wanted it to be a book that if you only read one book a year, and look, a lot of people are busy and they don't read many. That, okay. But if you only read one book a year, we want you to be able to enjoy this book and get a lot out of it. And if you read 100 books a year, we want this book to provoke you and teach you some things. And I think we hit that balance, but that style, I appreciate you asking the question. It was very intentional and, and kind of fun, Julia, don't you think to write that way? Absolutely. And we have those cartoons by Pat Burns and those are great for the classroom. They're great for book discussions. I mean, you can put one of Pat's cartoons in front of a team of people and say, what does this mean to you? And they will make meaning about their own challenges and their own exercise of leadership, even if you didn't, even if they didn't read any words in the book. Mm -hmm. Another, another facet of the book are the, the, what you call real life Q and A's, which I found fascinating. I, I saw a lot of Wichita in that. And I think that was probably intentional, uh, <laughs> but how did you decide to come up with those and, and why do you think they're effective as you go through a book? We wanted as we we really wanted people to see themselves in the book, and there's twenty five chapters in the book, so there's twenty five letters, twenty five dear Ed and Julia, and they're all you know there there's a nurse and there's a teacher and there's a CEO and there's a city manager and there's a uh, there's a this and a that and the other thing. And so we we really, that was the quickest way for people to be able to see themselves in the book. There's volunteers, there's people with high profile jobs. And it was also a way to share some of the questions we've received over the last 16 years about how to apply the ideas in the book. Yeah, we, we should, folks are always curious, are, are those real people? And Obviously, we disguise names to protect the innocent, right? Uh, but uh, those are real examples. I mean, they they either are literally a, a question somebody asked us, um, and then we might change some details so they're not easily identifiable, you know, or they uh, you know are, are kind of a, a summary of a question we got asked by a hundred people over the last ten years, um, over and over and over again. Um, I, I also think, though. Even outside those letters, the book is full of little quick examples. You know, um, they're all over it, all those chapters. And, and that was very much by design. My sense is, you know, the, the seven page case study 
isn't that useful. And frankly, I think in t- the year 2023, I don't think a lot of people want to read books with long case studies in them. Mm-hmm. They want to get help. And this, I think, helps them do it. There's there's one Q&A in particular that I won't go into much detail about, but boy, it, it, talks, it, it seemingly talks about our favorite controversy in Wichita, Kansas, and we'll let readers find it themselves. And I, I found it fascinating. Uh, I want to ask you about the gap and identifying the gap that's that's a, a key part of the book to me it's it's identifying what you call the area between the current reality and your aspirations um is that a, a as tough a part of of leading as as anything it's ha- having the courage to look to to state your biggest concerns and then also state your aspirations and stay with it long enough to say, and what makes progress hard in the gap between those concerns and those aspirations? Yeah, we don't we don't want to, and we don't want to look at what makes it hard. We want we don't want to address competing values. We don't want to address loss. We don't want to talk to people who think differently than we do. We want to be able to depend on authority. So, yeah, I think the hardest thing is, like, if you're going to build a culture where everyone leads, everybody has to have the courage to look at the gap and and own their piece of it. I think what I would add to that is one of the competencies that KLC teaches and has taught so many people for so long is the the competency of diagnosing the situation, like spending more time in diagnosis before jumping to action, to solutions. And so that's what we're, that's really what we're talking about with the gap. I mean, the gap, uh, it, it, people, it, it's hard to your question, Kirk, it's hard to focus on the gap because we actually get rewarded often in our companies and our organizations and our society for jumping to solutions, for showing activity, for jumping to the next thing, rather than slowing down and asking ourselves questions like the questions in the gap that uh, are articulated in the book. So yeah, I, I think it is tough. It's like getting people to go slow so they can go fast later is tricky. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing that we've really seen is once you do get people to slow down and look at what's going on in the gap, they start to see what they can do to help move things forward. I've got to think that's so hard for people to do, at least initially, um, because you've got today's problems and you you often can't worry about next week's problems or the next month's problems. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Kirk, that's, I think, I mean, there's a, there's a lot in this book that KLC has been talking about for a long time. There are some new things in this book. And I think the way we've articulated the gap so clearly in how to help people talk about the gap with their people is one of those newer things. We wanted to make it as easy as possible to help people begin to do a deeper diagnosis of their own situations. And the gap is a really easy tool. And you know, I, I talk to folks all the time, like, just add it to your regularly scheduled staff meeting. You know, just I mean, ask the questions on a on a on a team retreat. I just talked to a CEO the other day that every month he meets with all the employees in the, his 500 person company that started during that month, however many years ago. Like the cohort of January people he met with a couple of weeks ago, and 
we talked about just use those gap questions. He he had been spending those those meetings giving updates to them and then saying any questions or feedback. And I said, man, ask these three simple questions. You'll get beautiful feedback and they will feel empowered because you're really listening and, and they're diagnosing with you. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a great tool. It's a great tool. Buy-in, you, you mentioned the CEO, buy-in from the top it, it, and not just the top, but the middle managers and everyone else is, and I'm talking about a business, of course, is so important, isn't it? it, it can it, can can leadership happen at the lower levels without that buy-in? Uh, I think it definitely can. Um, I, I think it can definitely happen without that buy-in. Rosa Parks exercised tremendous leadership by just sitting on the bus in a different spot. And she didn't have buy-in from the transit authority. She didn't have buy-in from the mayor. She just did it. But your, your question's a good one. And I think here's what's important for those in authority to remember. Middle management, upper management, whatever it might be. Your authority is really important, but it's insufficient for the ultimate progress you want. You need more than just your authority to solve the problems and seize the big dreams you have for your company or your organization. So, so use some of your authority to fan the flames of other people's leadership, to, to encourage their leadership. And I think this book, for those in authority, it'll give them a lot of ideas and tools on, on how to do that and why they need to. Um, an, another area that really took me into 40 years of newsrooms was when you wrote about heat and, mm. and its role in leadership. Talk about what heat means in this case and, and why it's so important to foster change. Heat is eleva is the the kind of the real conversations that get people looking at what's hard and what's important. So heat is, I mean, we need heat in order to have productivity, to generate a sense of shared purpose, and to get the right people engaged in working on something. So sometimes it looks like, um, conflict. Sometimes heat looks like speaking clearly to your aspirations and your sense of purpose, but always heat um, has to be held long enough to make progress. I think a lot of people too, I think we know this in our families. Um, I think anybody who's been married knows it, you know, um, like, oh, there's a hard conversation we probably need to have. And I might avoid having that conversation for a while because I, I want to keep the heat low. I want to avoid the conflict for the sake of peace, but we actually need to talk about whatever that thing is. I'm just speaking hypothetically, of course, just in case my wife is listening to this. Um, but but I think, yeah, that's what Julia is talking about is those who exercise leadership, they understand you you need to raise the heat often. You need to have good, healthy conflict. And uh, this book gives people tools to do that and ways of thinking about what that looks like and helps them do it in ways that, you know, they don't have to put everything at risk to have a really tough, difficult conversation. And Kirk, I think you you talked about, like, we got a lot on our plate, just checking off the to-dos of our work life, our family life, of our volunteer life. Heat is what makes us stop and uh, pay attention to the more complex things that we don't know the answers to. 
I'm, I'm wondering about leadership in the broad sense. Is it for everybody? Is it okay to follow? I'll, I'll hop in. I, I see you thinking, Julia. Yes. It, yes. Here's the deal. Nobody leads all the time. Nobody. Like it's ridiculous to think that somebody is exercising leadership all the time. The, the way Julia and I write about it is leadership comes in these little moments. These little moments are coming at you, Kirk, all day long. They're coming at me. They're coming at Julia. They're coming at my my kids. They're coming at my colleagues. These little moments to what we say, exercise leadership. You know, A moment coming right at you where you can choose to um, invite additional people whose voices need to be in that conversation. And that's a moment of exercising leadership. So these moments are coming at us all day long. And most of us don't even see the moments. Like they just, they just fly by. And I don't think anybody exercises leadership very often. So yeah, it's okay to follow. It's, it's actually, it, it's totally appropriate because you need lots of people exercising leadership at different times. And you need to be okay with, with being able to seize your moments to exercise leadership and also embrace it when a colleague seizes their moment or somebody um, three levels beneath you in the organization seizes a moment and celebrate the fact that you have a culture that where everyone is leading. I mean, that's what gets game-changing progress. So it's a great question. Um, but yeah, Julie and I love, I mean, what would you add, Julie? This idea of like- Well, I think the only thing I like, we, uh, the, the thing that stops me with that question is always, okay, if, I, if a colleague three levels beneath me steps up to exercise leadership and I affirm that and celebrate it, is that following or is that, my own moment, you know, where the exercise of some authority is helpful to keep the heat high enough for progress to happen. So it's semantics. And and yes, it's awesome to follow, to affirm, to support, and be looking for your own moments too. I, 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 I like to talk about exercising leadership as kind of like hitting a baseball. You know, the, the best of the best in the major leagues only do that three out of every 10 times. I think the best, I mean, after Julie and I have worked with and our team worked with 16, 17, 18, 20,000 now individuals. I think the best of the best at exercising leadership, maybe get it right. Three out of every 10 times, like three out of every 10 moments, they get it right. So a lot of us uh, need to know that we got to follow others. You know, next person up to bat, up to bat uh, can, can seize that moment. And I, I really wanted to ask you about Thomas Stanley, who, who is in the book. He worked at KLC and you write about him. Can you tell his story without giving away too much in the book and, and why he's meant he meant so much to you in the KLC? Yeah, Tom, Thomas, um, we, we write about Thomas in the chapter that, that focuses on making leadership less risky for others, which is an important, especially for those who are a CEO or a manager or a boss of some sort. Thomas was this incredible young man who came to work at the Kansas Leadership Center right out of college. And he, he was this troublemaker in some ways. He was always like pushing boundaries and, and taking risks. But he, he had so much, he exercised leadership really well. That doesn't mean he always, he always succeeded. But you know, more often than not, he would see those moments and he would try and he was maybe batting three or 400 to keep that analogy going. And what I realized is that you know, Thomas was one of those people who I needed to use my authority as CEO to 
to protect him, to make leadership less risky for him, to to um, you know, when when things went wrong with one of his leadership interventions, you know, one of his ideas, I needed to take some of the heat myself, and I needed to give him lots of space to create. Um, we lost Thomas, uh, unfortunately, tragically, about three and a half years ago, uh, to a horrible accident, and um, he just was one of the brightest lights in the Kansas Leadership Center. Frankly, one of the brightest lights of the young professional community in Wichita. Um, but he's got a great legacy, and we wanted to use that example in the book um, for for all that he meant for us and all that we learned from him. I worry that we don't listen to the Thomas Stanleys in general enough in the yeah. in the business world and, and yeah. maybe beyond the business world. Are we getting? You all would know better than I would about whether we're getting better at listening to those kinds of voices, um, who are you know disruptors or whatever term you want to use. I mean, we hope so. I mean, as Ed says, we've trained thousands of people, many of them, you know, in Kansas and in Wichita. And and I do see it in when people come together, we're listening better and we're being curious. Are we taking their ideas? I, I can't tell you that yet. Mm-hmm. I think what I would add, too, is the... It's easy to listen to the Thomas Stanleys when they succeed. It's easy when their idea is brilliant. It's easy to to lift that person up on a pedestal. Um, I think, especially for those in authority, to really um, make leadership less risky for others and protect people as they try to exercise leadership and they try to make a difference you'll know you're really embracing that when they do something that doesn't work and that maybe even starts to rub poorly on you. Like it hurts your reputation or people wonder, you know, like why, why are you, why do you have that person in that role? Why doesn't, don't they know they shouldn't do it? And that's the moment when those as an authority, we just need to hold that and be okay with it and realize in the end, this will work out better than, than, than not. But that's what I long for are more people who are willing to shoulder the tough moments when those when those Thomas Stanleys might not hit the home run. They might strike out, but then can we hang in there with them? Mm-hmm. And Ed, I think that's how our communities get to really um, benefit from diverse voices and um, new ideas is we hold steady and um, trust. What's next? This is a successful book. Do you do you have a next book planned? Want to break any news here? <laughs> you know, we have a a teacher companion to Ed Ed uh referenced your leadership edge and our next well, actually no, I should back up. Our next thing out, the audiobook's going to come out, the large print version is going to come out. And Cuando Todos Lideran is going to come out, which is the Spanish version. Those will all be out either late February or early March. So that really shows how important it is for everybody to be able to access this book. So that's the important thing. And then there's teacher companions to try to help people use the ideas in schools and in businesses and, and I have maybe like 87 scraps of paper with ideas for next books, uh, but uh, I probably shouldn't 
referenced those yet. But I will tell you something that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, Kirk, some of your listeners know I'm, I'm at the Kansas Health Foundation now. The pub- publishing books has been game changing for the Kansas Leadership Center. It's been a it's been a a, a, a strategy to help take KLC to that next level each time we publish the book. And I've started to talk with some of our partners in the grassroots nonprofit community about uh, how might um, I take this knowledge I have from publishing books now and help some others in the community of Wichita and Kansas, perhaps some really special nonprofit um, voices who need to be heard and who have an incredible story, maybe a story better than I've ever been able to write. How can we help lift up and get more books from our community that can do game-changing, transformative work. So I'm, I'm starting to think that way. What, how, how can I help some other people craft their version of whatever book they want to write? Well, we look forward to reading those 87 scraps at some point. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, Julia and Ed, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, congratulations on the success of the book. It's a great read. I hope everybody has a chance to dive into it. Thank you again. Thanks, Kirk, Thank you. And that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 297. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.